The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. After a bunch of wild days in baseball, we finally calmed down a little bit. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today on a Thursday, September 3rd. I am Frank Stanfield. He is Scott White. Scott, I'm a little tired, man. Honestly, today I played some wiffle ball earlier. I was hitting some dingers, smacking some shots. You're going to have to carry this one, which is not really different than every other podcast. Wiffle ball, huh? That's that's not how I expected this show to start. That's that I, I, I would love to go out and play wiffle ball, sir. So good for you. Well, why don't you? Uh-huh. Uh my um the, the the people I have to play with are quite small and <laughs> they they whiff a lot. They're they're like they're like face it's like they're facing Ian Anderson out there. It's just whiff after whiff. Nice. I like it. I like it. Well, you know what? Just have them pitch to you. Have them throw some underhands. You just hit some bombs, run around the backyard. Yeah, we're, we're working on the throwing thing too. We're we're working on it, Frank. It's we, you know, that's that's their PE. I'm their I'm their PE coach, and we go out there, and I reward them with M and M's for every every time they connect on a pitch. They get an M M&M. and M, and they're not actually not even full size M and M's. They're the mini M and M's, you know. And mm. so they'll get like four. But they're happy because they get M&M's and they don't know that they should actually be eating more than that. That is a solid reward. What's your favorite chocolate, Scott? Oh. On the oh, spot. Wow. There's too many. To start uh, the I podcast. did not come prepared for this. This, Huh. You, you go first. I'll tell you mine. It's, uh, I don't know how many people know about this, but it's a little candy bar called The Nut Rages and it is made by Reese's. And it yeah. is fantastic i'm also a fan of uh, peanut m&ms those are great but the nut rages is just chocolate covered peanuts there's like i don't know some kind of caramel bunch of stuff inside of it and it's great i love it i've had the nut rages i'm not i'm not i'm not that big on the peanut butter ones if i'm being totally honest Alrighty. have you had have you had the caramel m&ms because those kind of elevate the whole m&m you know, franchise. They take it from here and they take it up to here. I have if not. You understand what here means. Yeah, that's why podcast. you have to watch us on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash fantasy, uh, fantasy, I was about to say fantasy football, fantasy baseball today. I have not had the caramel M&M, Scott. Oh, you should. They're good. They're good. I, I'm, I'm more in, like, I'm into the mint ones that come out, 
you know, around Christmas time. That's my favorite M&M, but I think the caramel are second. And then third is probably just the original M&Ms. Those are my M&Ms rankings, the top three. Mint chocolate M&Ms. Never had those either. I I, I like, what are they? Peppermint patties? The York, York patties? Those are good. Those are good. All right. I derailed it. I derailed it enough already. Let's <laughs> today on the show. We have the Stinko meter, some of 2020's biggest letdowns yesterday. We looked at some of 2020's biggest surprises, positive surprises. We have some drops. We have a few returns to the mound. We'll get into the rest of Wednesday's action. We'll answer some of your questions a little bit later on. Fantasy baseball at CBSI.com. Let's start with some of our favorite standouts from Wednesday. Take it away, Susan. Oh my good goodness gracious. All right, Scott. I'll let you get us started here. One of your standouts, whether positive or negative. I don't know that there's much fantasy application for this, but Adam Duvall homered three times on uh, on Wednesday, and I, I feel like that's the sort of performance that, oh my goodness gracious, was invented for. And I can at least share a not-so-fun anecdote related to that. My big dynasty league that I'm talking about all the time, the 24-teamer for which I'm the two-time defending champion, entered the playoffs, the number two seed, facing the number seven seed here in the first round, the number seven seed being Heath Cummings. Really want to beat him for many different reasons. (laughs) I'd been starting Adam Duvall as my third outfielder in this 24-team dynasty league until this week when he had a little minor injury going into the lineup block. I thought, not worth it. It's the playoffs. Can't risk it. Uh, I'm going to bench him, and I'm going to pick up Ender and Ciarte to start in his place. I'm losing to Heath. <laughs> I probably... Uh, no, I would be winning if I had started Adam Duvall, but instead I'm losing, and uh, that sucks. That sucks. Look, Adam Duvall hits power. He, he has power. He hits home runs sometimes. Doesn't do much else. And it's hard to predict exactly when he hits when he's going to hit those home runs, as I can personally attest. But he plays virtually every day for the Braves, and if you're desperate for power, you know, you probably missed the one and only three-homer game he's going to have this season, but he has twice hit 30 home runs in a season, and we shouldn't we shouldn't completely dismiss him. Adam Duvall, of course, three home runs, a triple-dong, back-to-back days with a triple-dong in baseball, both by the Atlanta Braves. Of course, there was a three three home run game from Alex Dickerson in yesterday as well. Uh, Adam Duvall is 8% rostered. Scott, in I guess only 15 team leagues are probably where you're looking at Duvall. A few of the names we mentioned yesterday in deeper leagues, Josh Naylor, Victor Reyes. Who would you rather have? Duvall, Victor Reyes, Josh Naylor. I actually think Victor Reyes is my favorite of that group. And uh, for now, I'm inclined to go with Duvall over Naylor. Naylor went 0-4 today in his second start for the Indians. So that would be my ranking. Victor Reyes is, you know, I'd, I'd be pretty enthusiastic about picking him up in a, in a five outfielder league, I think. It's kind of across the board production there. Power number's kind of limited, but some steals, good batting average. I'm kind of interested in him. All right, I'm going to look at two rookie starting pitchers because we gave Ian Anderson a lot of love. And I think we have to do the same, obviously, for Tristan McKenzie and for Sixto Sanchez. So for the second day in a row, I am expanding the Oh My Goodness Gracious Players of the Night. Tristan McKenzie, six shutout innings, six strikeouts, 
Two of his three starts, he has been fantastic. The other start, he went four innings and allowed two runs. So it's not like he was bad. He just didn't really go deep into that that second start. 14 swinging strikes on 81 pitches. His next two starts are against the Kansas City Royals again. Then at the Minnesota Twins, Sixto Sanchez of the Miami Marlins was going up against the Blue Jays on Wednesday. Seven innings of two-run ball. Extremely efficient. Only needed 79 pitches to get through seven. Eight swinging strikes. Not great, but nine ground ball outs, zero walks. Uh, just doing what we've seen Sixto Sanchez do to this point. Mackenzie and Sixto, what do you think, Scott? Yeah, that was impressive for both of them. Mackenzie wanted to see a bounce back from him after a really short start, second time out. And what was most impressive about this start for Mackenzie is that... Uh, you know, the, the first start, when he dominated the first time out with the 10 strikeouts, it was mostly on the fastball. The fastball basically carried him. But of his 14 swinging strikes in this one, six came on the slider, three on the curveball. So it was was really the most effective we've seen the secondary arsenal. And he needed only 81 pitches to get through those six innings. And at that point, the efficiency could apply uh, even more so to Sixto Sanchez, who has issued one walk between his three starts so far between them. And to go the seven innings he went today, he needed just 79 pitches. His ground ball rate through his first two starts was close to like 70%. It was ridiculous. Uh, you know, only, only one of the three starts did he have many whiffs, but it was a lot of whiffs and it was against the Rays, not a team we think of as whiffing a lot. So yeah, I mean, they're they're both must have. I mean, I think the I think the roster ship percentage shows that, and uh, I I would have trouble sitting either going forward too. So rank Ian Anderson, Sixto Sanchez, and Tristan McKenzie the rest of the season, Scott. It's 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 so hard when there's eight starts between them. Ian Anderson is the only one who hasn't had a. Well, that's not true. Sixto Sanchez hasn't had a bad one yet either. Okay, I'm going to go. I'm actually going to go Sixto Sanchez, number one, I think. Ian Anderson, two. Uh, Tristan McKenzie, three. But they're they're separated probably by like six spots in my rankings. They are close, for sure. I think I still go Ian Anderson first of the group. I just think his strikeout potential, um, the swinging strikes, a little bit higher than Sixto. Uh, Sixto, yeah. the ground balls are great. Great ballpark to pitch in. And I could see being excited about all these guys heading into next year as well. I don't, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Again, they really have not made too many starts combined, as you mentioned, Scott. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think Ian Anderson and McKenzie, Tristan McKenzie for that matter, like I'm, I am more confident in the strikeout potential for them. I just think Sixto Sanchez is the least likely to collapse down the stretch of the three. So that's why I'm giving him the priority among them. The highest floor. Uh, who would you yeah. rather have in a keeper league or a dynasty context? <sighs> Gosh, it's like splitting hairs. It really is. Uh, I, I, I think I'd go Sixto Sanchez for the same reason. Yeah. I did, look, this was a premier prospect and the Marlins received him in the JT Real Muto trade. So obviously very high expectations. And to this point, he has lived up to it. So it's really hard to argue uh, between... Any of those names, Ian Anderson, Sixto Sanchez, and Tristan McKenzie. Some news and notes. Josh Donaldson was finally back from his calf injury Wednesday and was batting second in the Twins lineup. He finished two for five with a double and two RBI. Madison Bumgarner will return off the IL this Saturday in a familiar venue in San Francisco. 
Any excitement over this, Scott? Uh, that's that's taking it too far. If he comes back and he's throwing harder, he's throwing more like he did last year, then I think that's going to create a mad dash to the waiver wire, but certainly not counting on that. We had pretty much written him off by the time he went on the IL. So, you know, just let's just wait and see. Let's just wait and see. But I'm not optimistic. If I asked you what his roster percentage is, Scott, you would say blank. 56. 81% for Madison Bumgarner. Yeah, so people, uh, whoever has those unlimited IL spots in their leagues, they are using them on Madison Bumgarner. So I don't, I don't, he might not be available anywhere, but see what happens. You know, first start back, see if the velocity is up. I, I agree. You know what I just did there? That e, you know that that was that was an Ernest P. Worrell. You know mm. Ernest. Mm. Of course you don't know Ernest. Oh, is Who this, am I is talking this, to? Is this something else where I'm going to get crushed by everyone for? I don't know. <laughs> he, he made silly. Is you know what is made, this? Ernest goes to camp or Ernest goes to jail. He made silly movies. Oh, I know it. Yeah. Yeah. The Halloween yeah. one was great. Ernest Scared Stupid. Yes. I watched that a bunch growing up. I just, I didn't know like what his full name was. Oh yeah, I Ernest watched. Ernest P. Worrell. Yeah. I did. I watched Ernest Scared Stupid. That was a terrible impression, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, see, this is just another reminder of where I'm at. Haven't seen some classics, but I've seen Ernest Scared Stupid. So there you go. Gleber Torres hopes to return this Friday, which seems entirely optimistic. And knowing the Yankees, the way that they have handled injuries in the past and the way that they have rushed Aaron Judge back, re-injured himself. Last year, they rushed Miguel Andujar back. What happened? He needed season-ending season shoulder surgery. I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but I really don't think that this is a good idea. Gleyber Torres is reporting to the team's alternate site on Thursday. So apparently he only needs one day of swings to... Hopefully return on Friday. We shall see. Mike Clevenger will make his Padres debut Thursday against the Angels. Sticking with the Padres, Will Myers has been placed on the IL with an undisclosed injury. That sucks because Will Myers has been really, really good this season. The Angels activated Franklin Barreto from the COVID injured list. Apparently, Joe Madden plans to play Barreto, quote, literally everywhere down the stretch. And then he wasn't in the lineup Wednesday. He's 5% rostered, three straight seasons of at least 15 home runs in the minors, has some speed as well. Franklin Barreto, any interest, Scott, in deeper leagues? No, no. <laughs> let's, let's let him do something in the majors because it's been a lot of nothing so far in his career. Gosh, I, I have so much Franklin Barreto fatigue. It feels like 10 years now that he's been a prospect and we've been waiting for him to do something, and it has not happened yet. Cody Bellinger, was out of the lineup again Wednesday with that lat injury. David Fletcher also remained out with his ankle injury. Dylan Carlson has been out of the lineup for the Cardinals past two games. He is one for 12 with four strikeouts in his previous four games. What are your thoughts on Dylan Carlson to this point, Scott? Uh, not great, Bob. Not great. Uh, uh, you know, obviously it hasn't been enough time to say for sure uh, how this is going to play out for him. But the strikeout rate, it started out pretty good. It's pretty high now. He's not been hitting the ball hard. He's earned the numbers he's put up so far is really all I can say about him. Still a big prospect. Still very early in his career. 
can't really take anything away from it, except he's not somebody that you need to be particularly invested in in a redraft league. Would you rather have Dylan Carlson or Ryan Mountcastle? Mountcastle. I agreed. Ryan Mountcastle is only 38% rostered on CBS. Renato Nunez exited Wednesday's game against the Mets with a hamstring injury. He is day-to-day. Jose Quintana was placed on the IL with a left lat injury. Lots of lat injuries recently. And that could mean the return of Edbert Alzale to the Cubs rotation. Aroldis Chapman was suspended three games for throwing a 101-mile-per-hour pitch at Mike Brasso's head on Tuesday night. And then on Wednesday night, Brasso got the last laugh. He had a double dong in Yankee Stadium. So do it with your chest. And that's exactly what Brasso did. Any interest in deeper leagues, Scott? In Brasso? Brasso. Bra. I could be uh, wrong, I don't but think I so. think that's he a, just mashes against lefties. Yeah, he, he doesn't play regularly enough. That's a that's a bra no to Brasso. <laughs> I'll pull it up the splits for Brasso. He is batting 344 against lefties and 267 against righties. He has an OPS of 1100 over lefties and an OPS mm. of 656 against righties. For the second straight day, I played DFS baseball, Scott, and I mm-hmm. probably should have had Brasso in my lineup like based on these splits and Yankee Stadium, and I didn't. He's not the reason I lost. It was Probably Max Scherzer, but we could talk yeah. about that a little bit later on. I mean, he is overperforming his his uh, his batted ball profile quite drastically, but nonetheless, the numbers have been very good so far, especially against lefties. The Stinko Meter 2020 edition, some of the biggest duds so far in this fantasy baseball season, and again, like. This is a very unique season, and we talk about it a lot, and probably any baseball broadcast you listen to, they also talk about how unique of a season this is. And uh, the example I always bring up is Jose Ramirez last year was terrible basically until mid-June. That would have been all of this season, and then we would have never got to see you know, how he closed out the season, and that's kind of what makes baseball what it is, and fantasy baseball particularly in a normal season is the grind and the ebbs and flows of a fantasy baseball season. So it's hard to put too much stock into this, but we will try our best to figure out what's going on with these players, whether or not they're going to be better, and you know how we'll feel about them heading into next season as a result of what has happened. J.D. Martinez, entering Wednesday's action, he was betting 208 with three home runs. He was averaging 2.3 fantasy points per game which is less than Yoshi Tsutsugo, Aaron Hicks, Kevin Kiermeyer, and Dexter Fowler. Quality of contact for J.D. Martinez, way down. Expected batting average, 234. 580 OPS against right-handed pitching. This is now a two-year trend where he has not been as good against right-handed pitching as he has been against lefties. Let's fire up the Stinko meter the first time we have ever done this, Scott. On, G- on J.D. Martinez. Where does he rank? 1 to 10. So this this meter isn't calibrated at all yet. And it's not about... We've never done it before. So if there are some internal inconsistencies, just, just <laughs> bear with me. But I'm going to go with a... So what, what does 10 mean on the Stinko meter in your eyes? What does that mean? Like at this point, you would consider dropping the player. Okay. An early round player that has been just so bad, it, you... You might drop him. 
because all of these are really good players that you you know it, it would seem like heresy to drop them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will go then with like a five for JD Martinez, a five. Let me tell you what I'm encouraged about. First of all, the plate discipline numbers pretty much in line with his good years. Uh, he is, however, 33 years old, oftentimes declining numbers against same handed pitchers is, is a sign of, of aging happening that that tends to happen with older hitters. And specifically for JD Martinez, maybe the thing that worries me most of all is I keep seeing this storyline. Uh, it started way back in spring training before the, the, the shutdown back when we thought it was going to be a full length season. He was complaining about the restrictions put on video use in games because of the, the Astros scandal. Uh, MLB was really limiting video use in games. He was complaining about it way back then. And because of the, the COVID restrictions, MLB put even more restrictions on it. So it, it keeps coming up. Um, like it's, it's, it's a common topic of discussion in the Red Sox beat writing world. Like it, it just seems like a guy who really relied on that to make in-game adjustments, video use, and he doesn't have that available to him. So, you know, that, that's kind of searching for an explanation. But it, I do think at this point it's worth mentioning. And uh, my my latest round of updating the rankings, I dropped him the most I have so far. I think he's still tech. I, I think he's still barely in my top twenty outfielders. So nothing crazy, nothing to the point of dropping him. But it was it was a significant drop. Yeah, and Scott's head-to-head ranks. He has J.D. Martinez at number 20, so nice call there. Uh, just ahead of J.D. Martinez, you have Marcelo Zuna, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert. Kevin Biggio, Mike Yastrzemski, who hit another home run on Wednesday as well. And I found the same thing when I was researching J.D. Martinez, trying to uh, figure out what is going wrong with him. This quote came from the Boston Globe a couple of weeks ago. It's definitely been an adjustment for me. It's something that's a big part of my routine, and it's a big part of who I am, the studying everything. It's kind of one of those things where you kind of have to have a new routine. So asking him to do that, of course, in a shortened season where, honestly, for the Red Sox, I don't know how inspired they are right now. Like the fact that they're terrible and you know, (laughs) they just sold off of, you know, some players. So, uh, you know, I just, I don't know where their heads are at. So um, it's, this is going to be a storyline in the off season and you know, what those restrictions look like heading into next year, because if we're dealing with this again, Scott, then I think that, you know, we legitimately do have to drop JD Martinez a decent bit heading into the 2021 draft season. And you know, I don't think it would be crazy at all if he goes outside the top 20 outfielders, at least based on the way that he has yeah. performed thus far this season. Oh, if he doesn't recover at all over the final three and a half weeks here, yeah, I, I think regardless of the video narrative, he's he's not going to be somebody we're drafting in the first five rounds next year. We got an email from Omar earlier today, said he's in a six-by-six six categories league with OBP and quality starts. I have a very solid pitching staff. Shane Bieber, Patrick Corbin, Lance Lynn, Max Freed, Kenta Maeda, Jesus Lazardo, Dane Dunning, and Ian Anderson. My offense is really hurting, and I think I need to make a trade to upgrade by Friday's deadline. I'm considering offering Patrick Corbin to get J.D. Martinez. Would you do it, Scott? I think you could do better than that for Patrick Corbin, considering starting pitching is... The one thing I can definitively say everybody could use more of. 
Uh, I think I think I don't think you need to make it a combo. Well, I, I guess you're not selling high on Corbin. You're kind of selling a little low on him, but mm-hmm. he's been okay. I think you can do better than JD Martinez. I don't think you should have to cross your fingers that he's going to bounce back if you're trading Corbin away for offense. You know, the two names that you have just ahead of JD Martinez, I think I would do it for Marcelo Zuna and Eloy Jimenez. I think if you get either one for Corbin, I'm cool with it. I'd want to aim higher than that still. Okay, so you're thinking maybe George Springer, Nick Castellanos. I don't I don't I don't know if you'll get Castellanos for him. I think you look to see who is the worst off for pitching yes. among those in contention. And you see what kind of excess he has among hitters. And it might be like if you're really that bad off for hitting, you might be able to get two really good hitters for Corbin from from that player specifically from that person specifically all right let's fire up the stinko meter once again this time for gary sanchez the 16th catcher in head-to-head points leagues he's averaging 1.6 fantasy points per game that is less than danny jansen jacob stallings chance cisco austin romine he is the catcher 22 in roto he is batting 130 his average if it finishes under 200 for the season he would have finished with a Sub-200 batting average in two of the last three seasons. Again, this is Gary Sanchez. The strikeouts are up to 38%. Lots of fly balls, lots of pop-ups. He has just an 8% line drive rate. This guy is... Ugh. He's a mess right now, Scott. Talk to me. Gary Sanchez, 1-10 to 10 on the stinko meter. Well, the good news for Gary Sanchez is he's still hitting the ball as hard as ever. He's just not hitting it very much at all. So on the stinko meter, I'm going to go. Okay. So if Martinez, what did I put Martinez as five or six? Five. Six? Five. Oh, five. Okay. Then I'll go seven for Sanchez. I, I just put together my do not drop list. Uh, as of right now, I, you know, every position, all the players I would not drop in a 12 team league, pretty much no matter what. Gary Sanchez is still on it for catchers, but he's, there's only seven catchers total and he's the sixth on that list. And I actually have him. I I could see dropping him in a points league. I make a distinction there between Roto leagues and points leagues. I I could actually see doing it in a points league. If you know, there's something crazy out there who could be a lot more useful to you. I like, I I still think Gary Sanchez is, we're going to rank him as a top five catcher heading into next year. Cause it's like, who else are we going to put up there? But, like he just seems totally lost right now, and I could totally understand, uh, you know, not wanting to carry around a second catcher that you have no intention of playing. Given that you know, usually no one would ever carry around a second catcher. If someone got upset with Joey Bart, who wasn't producing really heading into this week and has performed a little bit better in Coors Field, would you drop Gary Sanchez for Joey Bart? See, that's the thing is I don't really know what kind of catcher would be out there that would motivate me to do this. If you're in a mm-hmm. league where Austin Nola still hasn't gotten picked up or Travis Darno, or maybe, maybe Pedro Severino, I'm not, I don't really feel that confident in his production. I could see doing it, but, you know, at least based on CBS uh, rostership data, that's, it's very unlikely any of those guys are still available. What a bad year for catcher, man. Honestly, yeah. JT Real Muto is far and away the best. Like 
the fact that we were even considering Sanchez being in the same category as him was a mistake. And, and you know, hindsight is twenty twenty now, but Real Muto is awesome. Austin Nola, a top five catcher. Pedro Severino, Wilson Contreras, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Martin Maldonado is in the top 10. I, I think Wilson Contreras, he was in the top five, even though he entered today with a sub-200 batting average. Yeah, which that's says every, a lot. Like, he's been awful. Grandal's been awful. Sanchez obviously been awful. Mitch Garver was awful and then got hurt. Will Smith hasn't been playing that much. Yeah. He's actually been a lot better. Will Smith's been making a lot of contact this year. He just hasn't been playing that much. So it's, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the athletics guy, Sean Murphy, it's terrible. 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 Danny Jansen, terrible. Everybody's terrible. Yes. That's Austin Nola and Travis Darnell. For Sanchez, the last thing that I'll add a 572 OPS. At this point, you know, a little over a month in, into the season, I guess this was in his range of outcomes because he's had months where he's just completely plummeted. Like he's one of the most streaky players that I've, I don't want to say, you know, maybe ever. I mean, he's very streaky. He's had some OPSs I looked at in his career for a month 358 July last year, 474 June 2018, 286 July 2018, 490. In March and April of 2017, you know this isn't this isn't new for Gary Sanchez. He has month stretches where he just looks completely lost at the plate. So, I guess we probably should have factored that in a little bit more in just a two month season. Pete Alonso, let's stick in New York. Just hit his seventh home run on Tuesday, entering on on Wednesday rather entering Wednesday's action. He was the 32nd first baseman in Roto, averaging 2.4 fantasy points per game in points leagues. That is behind Yandy Diaz and Miguel Cabrera. To put that in perspective, what are we thinking about Pete Alonso, Scott, on the on the stinko meter? Okay, so compared to JD Martinez, who it, it seems like there may be external factors contributing to his struggles, and compared to Gary Sanchez, who has been epically bad, Pete Alonso has just been normal bad, like within the range of outcomes bad. So I don't really have many concerns for him. I did lower him in my first base rankings from like, I don't know, top five to maybe like 10th because there are other guys that you could justify ranking ahead of him, but he's still like, I could like from today forward, I can absolutely envision a scenario where Pete Alonso leads the majors in home runs. So I'm, I'm actually in in terms of stinko meter, he's going to be pretty low for me. I'll put him as like a three. I actually agree with you, and I was not a Pete Alonso fan entering this season. I thought that his ADP was too high based on someone who really contributes power and not much else. And I agree. I'm not as worried. Like, the biggest thing for me that I've seen is that his ground ball rate is up about 6%, so he's got to lift the ball a little bit more. But, you know, I think that that's something that can kind of even its way out over the next month or so, the final month of the season. And the fact that he has struggled against fastballs mightily. He is slugging just 343 against fastballs this year, whereas last year that was 669. That is a huge difference. I mean, we're talking over 300 points of slugging percentage for yeah. Pete Alonso on fastballs, and he is someone who, you know, typically as a slugger, I mean, he he hits fastballs well, and I would expect that to get better. And heading into next year, if people want to downgrade Pete Alonso, I will be ready to buy the dip. I do think that this has been a little bit fluky based on what we've seen thus far. So I agree. I agree on Pete Alonso. Not as worried about him. Uh, Javier Baez, someone I know who you were worried about and I was buying in on this season and so far 
has not really worked out well. On Wednesday, hit his sixth homer of the season, which, sure, that's nice, but entering that game, he's batting 200 with a 612 OPS, career-high 34% strikeout rate. His exit velocity on fastballs and uh, fastballs, fly balls and line drives is actually higher this year than it was last year. He's just getting killed on breaking balls. He was up over a 280 batting average, Javier Baez was, each of the past two seasons on breaking balls this year. That number is 115, Scott. Stinkometer, Javier Baez. Are, are you able to look up quickly if he's seeing more breaking balls than in past years? Uh, while you give out your number, I can definitely pull that up for you. Uh, so I'm going to go for, for Baez. Not super worried. A little more worried than Alonzo. I, 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 it's... It's a high volatility profile. Uh, a guy who doesn't make a lot of contact and doesn't get on base much apart from contact. He's going to be doing nothing during the stretches where he's not killing it. So I, I, I think that's mainly the problem. That that's mainly been Javier Baez's problem so far, and it could, it could turn around from one day to the next. And so I'd be reluctant to, to sit him or, or really do anything with him other than just write it out. But I, you know, there is the risk of he just doesn't have enough time to really get going. And the season ends before he, um, before he rewards you for sticking with him. There is the risk of that. There's just no way of predicting when things are going to change for him. So Javier Baez saw breaking pitches 37% of the time in 2018, saw it right around 35% last year, and this year it's up a little bit to 39%. So seeing breaking pitches 4% more doesn't seem like enough to actually make that big of a difference, but again... I I don't have a frame of reference for that, come to think of it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Again, the batting average last year for Javier Baez on breaking pitches, 294. In 2018, that was 281. So he normally hits breaking pitches very, very well. This year, that is down at 115, and the expected batting average is not much better. This was It it could just be a timing issue from not having a full spring training. Yeah, definitely. And, And the reasons why you were off Javier Baez this year were the reasons that I have been off him in years past. But this was the season where I just kind of, I gave in. I said, you know what? I'm done doubting Javier Baez. And every year he makes me look silly. And then this is the year that he made me look silly. So a rocky relationship for <laughs> Javier Baez and me uh, thus far. He doesn't know baseball. you, Frank. Yeah, and, and he never He will. doesn't care for you. He No, he will This is a one-sided relationship. Yes, you're 100% correct. The last player I wanted to talk about was Jose Altuve. Batting 225 with three home runs, entering Wednesday's action, a career high 52.8% ground ball rate. I don't know if it's the trash cans, if it's buzzer related, but career low 179 batting average on breaking pitches, Scott. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah. Jose Altuve, Stinkometer, what do you have? Uh, there, There's some research has been done uh, by sources that okay i'm not even going to go there 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 was some reason to believe altuve uh didn't see that didn't hear many trash cam bangs during his at bats at least in 2017 so just put that out there he showed signs of decline last year even though he had a career high in home runs 
you know, the skills that Jose Altuve normally excelled at showed signs of decline. So my worry here is probably about a five, the same as J.D. Martinez. That said, you know, I still look at the track record and think he's more likely than not to turn it around. Uh, I, I have lowered him in my second base rankings behind guys like Brandon Lau and Kevin Biggio. But he's still in a range where I'd probably be starting him if I had him. So I'll go five for Jose Altuve. Yeah, he is getting up there in age. He's not super old or anything. He's 30 years old at this point. But uh, yeah, the second base position has... We knew it wasn't going to be a great one coming in. So I tend to agree... Like. Unless you picked up Brandon Lau for some reason, of course, yes, you can start him over Jose Altuve, but, I mean, how far are we going to drop him? Like, are you going to start Jake Cronenworth over Jose Altuve, Scott, if you had both? I might. I might. I'm okay. very high on Jake Cronenworth. I might start Robinson Cano over him. That was the next name I was looking at. Yeah, I could see doing. Like, it would okay. for somebody who's red hot like that and, you know, there's reason to buy into the the skill backing up the production. I could see benching Jose Altuve while he's this cold, but it would, you know, it would take somebody really good like that. I'm not, you know, I'm not picking up Garrett Hampson because he has three home runs in the last two days and starting him over Altuve. Yes. Quickly promote a few things. For more than a decade, Fantasy Football Today has been delivering league-winning analysis and advice as part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Now, they're coming at you fast with a brand new feed. Don't worry, the old one will stay the same. The Fantasy Football Today in 5 podcast is your audio outlet for fantasy news and advice in five minutes or fewer. It'll feature familiar voices like Adam Azer and the rest of the FFT crew, Jamie Eisenberg, Dave Richard, Heath Cummings, and Ben Gretsch as they break down what matters most to help you win your league in a quick-hitting format. Available first thing in the morning, Monday through Friday. Download and subscribe to Fantasy Football Today in 5 on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, your smart speakers, and anywhere else podcasts are found. We appreciate everybody who has already given us a five-star rating and review on Apple. We currently have a four-and-a-half-star average. I think that that needs to get up. I don't know what happened before I was here. Actually, I do because I listened to you guys for probably the past decade or so. But let's get that average up. We're at four-and-a-half stars. Let's slowly build that up. Let's get up to 4.6, 4.7, and we work our way back up slowly. So if you can, please give us a five-star Apple Podcast rating, drop a review in there, a question. We will answer it on a future podcast. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll look at the rest of Wednesday's action. We have some returns. We have some potential drops as well. Hyunjin Ryu has been awesome this season. Zach Wheeler has been great as well. We'll talk about those names. Do it here, Fantasy Baseball Today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. So I'm a father of what? I gotta find a babysitter. 
I found Karen.com and I was blown away. Through the platform, I was able to find local and experienced candidates along with their reviews and rates, which were way more affordable than I anticipated. Karen.com really put me at ease knowing that they were all required to go through a background check. If you're like me and you need to find someone reliable for your childcare necessities, check out care.com. Find the ideal sitters for your childcare needs. We've already fired up the stinko meter today. Let's let's get the dropo meter going. Got a few names for you here. Not really great names. Kyle Freeland. If you ask Scott, he probably should have never been owned in the first place. But against the Giants on Wednesday, he allowed eight hits and four earned over two innings. 74% rostered. What is the dropo meter on Kyle Freeland, Scott? I think that's a big fat 10. Yeah, Kyle Freeland has now allowed 19 hits over six and a third innings in his last two starts. E. A lot of regression all at once there for that guy. Forget about it. Forget about him. How about Jordan Montgomery? Could not escape the first inning against Tampa Bay. Five hits, four earned. He is 74% rostered as well. Yeah, certainly not as good as I hoped he'd be this year. But uh, probably still better than a lot of what's out there on waivers. Like, I, there's no reason to, like, cling to him if you have to free up a roster spot. But on the drop meter I'm going to give Jordan Montgomery a 7. Yes, that's exactly the number I was thinking as well. Adrian Hauser, five earned runs or five innings pitched against the Tigers. He is 61% rostered. The drop meter Adrian Hauser. So he's, he, he's just completely abandoned the missing of bats for ground, in favor of ground balls this year, which, you know, ground balls are good. Strikeouts are better. <laughs> it's probably not um, his choice, though, if we're being honest, Scott. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But that's, that, is what the, that, that, that is what the underlying data shows. There's a lot more ground balls. Basically, no, he has eight total strikeouts between his last three starts, and he's allowed nine hits in each. Ground mm. balls, they do have a high hit rate. It's not a high home run rate, obviously, which is why they're preferable to fly balls. But yeah, um, okay. So, look, I, I don't think Hauser's ever going to be somebody who is just a horrible start for you, but it, it's pretty clear at this point that he's not a real asset either. So on the drop a meter, I'll give him like a six. Would you drop any or all three of Kyle Freeland, Jordan Montgomery, Adrian Hauser for Tyler Malley, who on Wednesday against the Cardinals, seven innings of three-run ball, only three strikeouts, 12 swinging strikes on 97 pitches. He is 46% rostered, and it looks like he might be a two-start pitcher next week at Chicago and at the Pirates. Freeland, Montgomery, Hauser. Do you drop yeah, any I'm, or I'm all? I'm just encouraged he was able to pitch so deep in the game. Yes. Didn't get many strikeouts, but the whiff rate was fine. And I think, I, I, I'm hopeful he's in the rotation for good now. So I would drop any and all of Freeland, Montgomery, and Hauser for, for Tyler Malley. Would you drop those names for Pineda? Yes. Would you drop them for Dane Dunning? Yes. Dane Dunning is only 36% rostered. I know, get with the program, people. Like, I like Davey Garcia, but he should not be higher... Oh, like rostered than Dane Dunning. Would you would you drop those names for Davey Garcia while we're talking about it? Yeah, uh, maybe not Hauser. It depends how much you need 
the guy to be in your actual lineup as opposed to just stashed away on your bench. I'd rather stash Davey Garcia in the upside there if he does. It looks like he's going to get another turn for the Yankees in a doubleheader Friday, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if he's good enough, I imagine they'll be able to keep him around. We had some uh, return. Any, anything else you wanted to add there? No, that's fine. Go ahead. We had some returns, and specifically, Scott, I'm trying. I'm trying not to be sucked in again. I, I don't know what it is about his presence, but it's just like there's a magnet. There's a magnetism that draws me to Joe Musgrove, and I just... Uh, I. It was the return of the Mus yeah. on, uh, on Wednesday. Three-plus innings, four strikeouts, nine swinging strikes on 46 pitches. Nine swinging strikes on 46 pitches. Like, that is a great rate. The fastball velocity was up a bit. 92.7 miles per hour on the fastball. 91.9 earlier in the season. Your interest level in Joe Musgrove. Frank, Frank. Hey, it's Franklin. And it's me, Musgrove, your favorite. Back to deliver for you again. Are you not transfixed? By my incredible swinging strike rate on those 46 pitches, Franklin. Oh, I am. I am. I'm not. <laughs> you are not. He is. I'm not. He is 54% rostered. Should, yeah. Should that be higher? Um, look, if you're hurting for pitching, take a flyer on him. There's some upside there. Frank's not the only one who's been saying it. I've. I've not been his loudest supporter, Musgrove, that is, over the past couple of years. I'm definitely Frank's biggest supporter, but not Musgrove's. So I'm not going to get as enthusiastic about this. I'll never get as enthusiastic, as enthusiastic about it as Frank is. But that, that is like, true. I dropped Kyle Freeland for Musgrove. I dropped Jordan Montgomery for Musgrove. He's probably like a top 60 pitcher immediately coming back from injury just because he hasn't disqualified himself from being a top 60 pitcher yet. So, you know, it's, it's noteworthy that he's back. Musgrove or Tyler Malley? Malley. Musgrove or Davey Garcia? Um, I think I go Davey there. I agree. I would have Musgrove behind both of those names as well, but Pay attention. Let's see what happens. Two other names, bigger names, that returned on Wednesday. Charlie Morton, just two innings pitched. The velocity was way up. I don't know if it was only because he pitched those two innings. It's like right around 35 pitches. 94.6 miles per hour on the fastball in this start, the return. That was 92.5 miles per hour earlier in the season, and that is something that we were really worried about Charlie Morton, so that was great to see. And then Walker Bueller back against the Arizona Diamondbacks returning from a blister issue. Five shutout with six strikeouts. I think it's just kind of status quo here with Walker Bueller. Uh, but Charlie Morton, much, much, much uh-huh. more interested in him now seeing this velocity. Yes, very encouraging from Charlie Morton. I'd hope to see this coming back from the injury. The only problem is... They let him throw what thirty six pitches in this first start back. So it is Tampa Bay, Scott. You know it's uh, Tampa Bay. They they, they do take, this. Uh, they they bring new meaning to abundance of caution. And uh, by the time he's stretched out for a full workload, the season's going to be over. So uh, you know maybe he could give you a couple five inning outings between now and then, just if he's really efficient. But it's that's you know that's that's a little disappointing. Yeah, probably going to be better in Roto as a result of that than head-to-head points. I don't 
think he's going to really give you much volume in terms of those innings pitched, as Scott alluded to. The rest of Wednesday, we saw some studs on the mound and basically just do what they've done all season. Hyunjin Ryu at the Marlins, six innings of one-run ball, eight strikeouts. That is now six straight starts, allowing one run or less for Hyunjin Ryu. His ERA is down to 2.72. Zach Wheeler going up against the Nationals, six and two-thirds, shutout. Six strikeouts, at least three earned runs in or less in every start this season. And then Zach Gallen, my boy, seven-plus innings. He allowed a walk in the eighth, and then they pulled him. But seven shutout, one hit, two walks, seven strikeouts. Now two earned runs or less in all eight starts. The ERA is down to 1.80 for Zach Gallen. So between Gallen, Wheeler, Ryu, Anything that you wanted to add on these three gentlemen, Scott? Uh, it's been a very weird year for Wheeler, who has had the like the worst swing. He's never been a great swinging strike rate guy. Uh, good, you know, decent enough strikeout guy, but never a big whiffs guy. And but it's been worse than ever this year. He got eighteen whiffs in this game, so that was nice to see from him. And uh, he has allowed two earned runs or fewer in every start but one. I think you mentioned that already. Um, and then Christian Javier. Either this is a total mirage or he's the weirdest pitcher <laughs> we've ever seen because tons of fly balls, very few swinging strikes, not great control. And yet, he's great every time out. Mm-hmm. So... And you look at his minor league track record and it's like, okay, he wasn't getting a lot of whiffs there either, but at least he was getting a lot of strikeouts. And and that's itself has been, uh, you know what? His whiff rate in the minors is better than I give him credit for. I take back that last sentence. Christian Javier was a weird profile coming in to the majors. And he's become an even weirder one with his success so far. I don't trust it because it would be so... <laughs> you know, so it's such a departure from everything we know about these analytics, but I'm not entirely ruling it out, out that he is this good just because it is, it's such a weird, uh, like the pitch selection is for, for him is so weird. The, the fact that he has a fastball and a slider basically, but that manipulates the fastball so much. It's just, it's really hard to evaluate Christian Javier. I'm just, I'm, I'm skeptical, but I'm keeping an open mind. Yeah, and I'm holding up a big old L on my head because I had him as a sell-high candidate for the reasons you mentioned. It's just his statistical profile just doesn't really add up. The underlying numbers don't really add up, but... I, I don't think it's an L yet. Sometimes these these things just happen where, yeah, you know, for a stretch, we can see a, a player, a pitcher specifically, you know, overperform his peripheral numbers. It looks like his next four starts are... At Oakland, at the Dodgers versus Arizona, and at Texas. So, at Oakland, at the Dodgers, don't really love those. I know one of his worst starts this season came against Oakland, but then against Arizona and at Texas to finish up the season. That's not bad for a Christian Javier. Some waiver wire names. Big Brad. Brad Miller. Two for three. Another homer. So, just going to keep mentioning his name until his roster percentage climbs. A name that you brought up when we first uh, joined this little soiree together, Scott. Devin Williams, one inning pitched, two more strikeouts. He's kind of like the National League version of James Karinchak right now for the Milwaukee Brewers. 22% rostered. If you're in 
a roto league and you want to pick up some strikeouts, some ERA and whip help. He gets multiple yeah. strikeouts every time he pitches. He's up to, I think these are updated, 31 strikeouts in 15 innings. Uh, yeah. So yeah, like he's, he's pretty damn good. He is a five by five stud for the for ratios. I mean, what though he he gets strikeouts with such frequency that he's competing a lot of with a lot of these starting pitchers, particularly the guys who are struggling to go more than five innings. Uh, and I'd I'd rather start him than a lot of them. It's, and it's hard to argue with that. I know some people have talked about picking up relievers in head to head points daily leagues, where you know they can just kind of pick up. Uh, points, you know, consistently with having those relievers in there. Again, Devin Williams, I think, is one of those who has been awesome this year. Randy Arozarena hit his first home run with the Tampa Bay Rays. He has started two of the last three games for Tampa Bay. And reminder that the Rays gave up a pretty big prospect in Matthew Liberatore. Liberatore? Liberatore? I think it's Liberatore. I've said Liberatore. But I think it is. I think is it's it? Liberatore. Uh, okay. but, but the Rays gave him up to the Cardinals, and Rosarena was one of the names that they got in return. I've just learned not to doubt the Tampa Bay Rays. I just <laughs> feel like they always know what they're doing. Last year in the minors, between AA and AAA, Rosarena, a three forty four batting average, an OPS over 1,000, 15 home runs, 17 steals. What league size and format, if any, does Randy Rosarena uh, should be added in, Scott? Yeah, those those numbers in the minors last year were incredible. Worth noting that they mostly came in the PCL, which was uh, just a completely bonkers league with the introduction of the juiced MLB baseball. It was always one of the most hitter-friendly leagues in the minors, but it, it went to a new level last year. Uh, it depends how much he's going to play. Two out of three, I mean, it doesn't suggest he's an everyday player yet. So I would probably leave him for like the 15 teamers and and pretty fringy even there. Like I might, I'd probably pick up Adam Duvall over Arrows Arena at this point. Yeah, I, I would I would pick a Rose Arena up in roto leagues where you know if you just have a spot to speculate on your bench, see how the rest of this week plays out. I I, I think there's some upside there, so I I, I wouldn't really want to miss that. I, I'd be willing to stash him if I have a bench spot available. Okay, okay, that's fine. Uh, the last name I wanted to mention, Tyler Naquin, seven straight starts for Cleveland, three hits, including a double dong. He has four home runs in his last six games. Does this matter, Scott? It might. The data looks good on him. We've he, He'd gotten some hype in the past, but it, it seemed like the Indians quickly moved away from him. So worth keeping an eye on. Pretty low end right now, though. Some bullpen notes. Michael Givens pitched in the seventh inning with the Rockies down six to four at the time. Daniel Bard pitched in the Come ninth on, Rockies. after they took a lead, uh, took a three-run lead, picking up his fourth save of the season. Again, that is Daniel Bard. He is 15% rostered if you need saves. Yeah. And I look, I mean, that it must mean he's the guy still, right? He was the guy mm. before the Givens trade. I thought it was pretty clear that he was the guy only because he was forced into being the guy and that Givens would be a better guy. Uh, but Givens is apparently the seventh inning guy. Bard's still the ninth inning guy. Guy. So, um, <laughs> ah, yeah, freaking Rockies. I am not the closer whisperer today because I was touting Michael Givens as the Rockies closer. I was touting Diego Castillo 
after we, converting. We were last, both on Castillo, by the way, so we we both whiffed on this one. But it's Tampa yeah, Bay. It's after Tampa. converting the last three saves for the Rays, he came in in the fifth inning <sighs> of today's game. So still not much clear. I mean, look, he could go out and get their next save still, and just who knows. Um, and then the other one was for the Royals, who I was backing Scott Barlow. He gave up three runs in the eighth inning of today's game. And even earlier in the day, uh, MLB.com beat writer for the Royals, whose name is Jeffrey Flanagan, was indicating that it looks like it's Greg Holland's job and was actually saying Jesse Hahn could get his sneak in and get a few save chances himself. So he was limiting it to the two old guys there, Holland and Jesse Hahn, and uh, leaving out. Barlow and Josh Stalmont. So, you know, it's looking like all my predictions there were wrong so far, but it's it's always day to day whenever a team makes a closer change. A team that might be making a closer change, they don't really have a choice. They traded their closer away. It's the Arizona Diamondbacks, and we saw Stefan Crichton came in the eighth inning. He quickly got out of it, pitched one inning. On seven pitches, Kevin Ginkle came in in the ninth in a one-run game, uh, allowed a game-tying home run to Mookie Betts, and then Junior Guerra came in in extras, and the Dodgers walked it off, Junior Guerra. So I'm leaning towards Stefan Crichton. At least he didn't stink tonight like the other two guys did. So uh, if you want to speculate in deeper leagues and you are really hurting for saves, Crichton is the name that I would be looking at. All right, Scott, let's quickly answer a few questions. I have five here. Let's try and get through these as quickly as we possibly can. Some APR questions. Apple Podcast Review. This one's from Cups. One, two, three, four. Mike Trout only attempted 13 steals last season. Even though his sprint speed remained elite this year, he has only attempted two steals come next season. Is there any fear Trout will be a five to 10 steal guy? In that, I think... In that I, case, I think he probably shouldn't be considered a top 10 pick. At what point, at that point, he feels like Freddie Freeman. It would be great if I knew how to read. At that point, <laughs> he feels like Freddie Freeman except playing a deeper position and will chip in extra homers and a few steals. What is uh, your opinion of this like team? like a stretch. I, I mean, there's... Very consistently, Mike Trout has been the best hitter in baseball, apart from... Any base stealing prowess. I mean, that's always the fear. That's what, what do I always say about stolen bases? They're, they're mostly a matter of intention. And for a guy who primarily, his, it, the main thing he brings to the table is his bat, there comes a point where the team just doesn't want him running much anymore, or he decides himself that it's not worth running anymore. Um, with Trout specifically, his first two years, he stole 49 and 33 bases. His next two years, it went to 16 and 11. But then he bounced right back with 30, 22, 24 the next three years. So it's been kind of this up and down thing with him that makes it even more difficult to predict where the steals are going to go for him next. But I I do think if he doesn't, unless he goes on some kind of stolen base binge here to close out the season, I, I think it's fair to to go into next year not really counting on any steals production from him and just 
taking it as a bonus. I think that's fair. But to say he won't be a top 10 pick, that's that seems ridiculous. Yes, I agree. I think that's kind of crazy. This one's from Dr. Spaceman25 with Michael Brantley off the IL. I need to drop a player. My lowest roster percentage players are Robinson Cano, Jeff McNeil, J.D. Davis, Mark Canna, and Trent Grisham. At this point, I'm not sure Brantley is better than any of these guys. He did homer on Wednesday night. Should I just drop him? 7x7 head-to-head categories with walks and strikeouts for hitters. It's a keeper league. I can keep them all except Brantley and Davis for a buck. Brantley and Davis are basically market rate, so won't be keeping them. I'm in first place. So Cano, McNeil, Davis, Canna, Grisham. Would you drop any of those names to get Brantley in? I know I have Brantley ranked the highest of this group, but it's really a lot of the same thing, I feel like. Uh, I, I Honestly, I think the one I'd drop, as much as it hurts to say, is Mark Canna. Really? I was thinking McNeil. McNeil's been very underwhelming this year. I know, I know, but there isn't enough in the underlying stats to lead me to believe that something's really wrong with him. So I just think it, because the hat production hasn't come yet, I think it's... I think it's a. It, I think it would be wrong to assume it won't. And uh, you know, Mark Canna hasn't really provided the power I thought he would. And obviously, I'm not in favor of dropping Mark Canna in a vacuum. But you're mm-hmm. putting me in a real tight spot here, Doctor Spaceman. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I think Canna might be the low guy for me. You know, he's older, so you're not going to miss keeping him that much. I think it might be him. Fair enough. Some emails. Fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. This one's from Sean. Dear Thomas and Roland. Scott Roland? Scott Thomas? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Great trade. I give up Acuna, Miguel Sano, and Rich Hill. I get Max Freed, Starling Marte, Andrew McCutcheon, and Drew Pomeranz. I know I'm giving up the best player in the deal, but I still win, right? No, you lose. That's Acuna, Sano, and Rich Hill for Freed, Marte, McCutcheon, Pomeranz. So what's the grade? It's a D plus. All right, so he put Carpenter and Wainwright in parentheses after Thomas and Roland. Yeah, so it's some kind of... there was more than just the two of us on. Cardinals thing. Yeah, so it's some kind of... Who who was Thomas on the Cardinals? Who... He had a player whose first name was something and his last name was Thomas from like the mid-2000s, early 2000s. Thomas. Lane Thomas. Lane Thomas is on the team now, right? That would be lame. Lame Thomas, am I right? (laughs) This one's from Joey. Head-to-head categories league. Give up Patrick Corbin to get Luis Castillo. Yes, I rank Castillo higher. From Aaron. Would trading Marcel Ozuna and either Lance McCullers or Andrew Heaney for Charlie Blackman be a win? If so, which pitcher would the other guy be more likely to accept? I would trade Heaney and Osuna for Blackman. I would not trade McCullers and Osuna for Blackman. I agree. Uh, you're asking which one is he more likely to accept? It would be McCullers, but at that point, I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise. Well, maybe doing not, because McCullers' numbers are probably worse so far. Maybe not. I mean, Heaney's, number, Heaney's numbers are pretty bad Heaney. too, right? 
What's I think, that? I think overall Heaney's numbers are pretty bad too. Uh, yeah, I think ERA is over four, but I think up for McCullers it's over five, right? And this would be a very easy thing to uh, <laughs> figure out. Uh, yeah, McCullers is over five, and Heaney's is in the low fours with a lot of strikeouts. So you know, whatever. Only do only offer Ozuna and Heaney. Don't offer Ozuna and McCullers. And if he takes it for Blackman, great. Alrighty, that'll do it. He is Scott. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.